I would like to first turn back to the book of Numbers and just read a few verses that are relevant in relationship to the message today. Numbers chapter 27, verses 16 through 18. Numbers chapter 27, verses 16 through 18. Listen carefully to the holy, infallible, inerrant word of God. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Now, if you would, turn to Mark chapter 6 as we continue in our series. Going to be looking at, basically, there are two introductions to the feeding of the 5,000 here in just verses 30 through 34, and that's what we will focus upon today. If, so Mark chapter 6, 30 through 34. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in, a boat, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ has come as the great shepherd of the sheep. Help us to even see this in our own lives, that we ourselves would not be scattered but our hearts would be committed, devoted in faith to our Savior, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. For those commissioned, ordained to the gospel ministry, can such a ministry 
be exhausting and tiring. We have before us a text in which we know that Jesus directly commissioned, sent out his ordained apostles to follow the exact pattern of his own ministry. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Jesus sent them like sojourners in pilgrims with just a staff, if you recall, sandals in one tunic. They were to take no bread. They were not to take any money at all as they went out. They were being sent out completely dependent upon the hospitality and food by God's providence. Almost every day was faced with wonder. What are we going to eat today? <laughs> Where will we sleep tonight? <laughs> Do any of you have those questions in your own mind today? These necessities themselves would play on the human mind each day. It could be tiring. Furthermore and more important is the mystery addressing them each day with the kingdom preaching that they do as well as their activity. They have seen this in Jesus' own activity preaching to both those who are willing to hear and those who are hostile to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The vast amount of people lining up to be healed of their diseases and those demons who are confrontational enemies of the gospel. As the apostles return to Jesus we are not told of one incident that occurred under their ministry. We are only told that they reported to Jesus what they had done and what they had taught. Chapter 6, verse 30. Furthermore, remember, not to be missed, as we have talked again and again, is the sandwich structure of Mark's text here. The outer layers of bread, the apostles are commissioned by Jesus, verses 7 through 13. And then the other aspect, the other outer layer of bread is chapter 6, verse 30, when they return to Jesus. And in the middle of the sandwich, as we have seen, is the beheading of the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, verses 14 through 29. As we are reminded of our previous message, one of the reasons that nothing is specifically mentioned in verse 30 is because Mark's focus is upon the cost of discipleship and the gospel going into the world as it records the incident of John the Baptist's beheading. As the church goes forth, proclaiming the gospel, persecution will come. 
which can even end in death. How much does Jesus, his message of salvation, mean to each person who is ordained to the gospel ministry, as well as to each person who is a member of Christ's church? Once again, Mark is not messing around. He is hitting us right between the eyes into the deepest resources of our own hearts. The weight of living the gospel is not easy. The daily life in Christ has its tense, anxious moments upon the lives and the hearts of Christ's children. The encouragement and blessings of the gospel are on every page of Scripture. Your God, your Savior, the Holy Spirit, who is yours, knows the weakness of the human flesh. You need a power. We all need a power outside ourselves that comes into us to endure our spiritual trials. The anxieties of each day, our triune God, his word are there, and the body of believers are to be there to encourage each other. We are there to support our endurance. As we come into our text, Jesus does exactly this for his disciples. He turns the tables in this case. As we have noticed previously in Mark, Jesus initiates a break and takes his apostles with him in terms of his own ministry. This time, Jesus notices the exhaustion on the part of the apostles and then initiates to take them away from the crowd. Verse 31 of our text. More specifically, Mark continues his wilderness theme as he accents Jesus taking his apostles into the desolate place. Note that in the text. Wilderness for rest. Verse 31. The Greek is clear. They need to take a break for refreshment. For refreshment. In fact, the term rest is in the imperative. It is a command here in the text in which Jesus delivers to his apostles. Hence, even in our own day, it is very common for foreign missionaries to have a furlough. The mission field is exhausting, full of difficult challenges. Moreover, the OPC, after the last number of years, has implemented a sabbatical program for pastors. We have recently had a few pastors and our presbytery takes sabbaticals. And one other one is just about to start a sabbatical. You don't have to worry. 
<laughs> At Covenant College, I never took a sabbatical until after my 14th year there. <laughs> I'm supposed to have one every six years. <laughs> so, well, returning to verses 30 through 34, there are essentially two introductions invoking this wilderness theme prior to the feeding of the 5,000. This will be our focus this morning. First, Jesus takes his apostles and demands them to rest, verses 30 through 32. Secondly, Jesus has compassion upon the large crowd running after the apostles, verses 33, 34. First, let us look at Jesus taking his apostles and demanding them to rest, verses 30 through 32. Although we have stressed that exhaustion has set in from their apostolic mission of evangelism, we need to note that Jesus' directive to withdraw incorporates more than a recovery from strenuous exercise that they did essentially on the mission field. Mark wants to accent something even deeper than just their strenuous activity here. Notice that the wilderness theme appears twice in this context. Twice. It is strongly emphasized. Desolate place appears in both verses 31 and 32. In fact, notice that the desolate place that Jesus takes them to by boat is not even mentioned. The specific place is not important for Mark. What is important is that it is a desolate place. It is a wilderness place. That is the theme Mark has been underlining so far in his gospel when there is a need for rest. Jesus and his apostles will find rest in their departure from the crowd. Essentially going into the wilderness just like Israel did as they came out of Egypt. The wilderness provided a place of rest from the idolatrous world of the Egyptians, their unbelief. As God, as God underlines his positive redemption of Israel from Egypt, there are two circumstances of rest placed before Israel that God provides. First, there is the rest into the wilderness that God secures by Passover and Exodus, which is the death and resurrection, the forecast of Christ's death and resurrection in the Old Testament. From the idea he secures by Passover and Exodus, Exodus from the Egyptians in which Israel will wander for 40 years in a life of rest from the captivity that they had to endure in Egypt. As God outlines this positive redemption in terms of this, 
Secondly, their rest in the wilderness was only a picture of temporary rest until God brought Israel into their temporary final rest in the promised land of Canaan, the land of their fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. On your outline, I have numerous texts that defend that idea in the Old Testament. Are you following the picture here of Israel? As Israel goes into the wilderness out of Egypt, they are entering a temporary already state of the rest while they wait for a temporary not yet state of their final rest in the promised land. Well, picking up on the Old Testament wilderness and rest theme, Jesus brings his apostles into a desolate place, a place for rest. No, Jesus, by his command and activity, is bringing his exhausted apostles into his, his directed rest. Verse 31, a rest that only he orchestrates by his sovereign activity. The picture is clear. Jesus has brought them already into his wilderness type of rest. But at this point, at this point, the apostles, they had not yet entered the final wilderness type of rest which is going to be portrayed in verses 33 through 44. The final wilderness type of rest is pictured by Mark in the Feast of the 5,000. The Feast of the 5,000. However, this morning... (laughs) We will focus no further than upon Mark's second introductory narrative in preparation to the actual feeding of the 5,000, which we will look at next Lord's Day. Specifically, Jesus, we are going to look at this morning, specifically Jesus' compassion upon the large crowd who were running after the apostles this time. Not after him. Verses 33 and 34. So as you look closely at verses 33 and 34, do you notice a change that we have not seen before with respect to the presentation of the gospel prior to the apostles going forth with the gospel message and activity? Jesus... Jesus is the main person proclaiming the gospel, healing diseases and casting out demons. We are told again and again that the large crowds followed him. So much so that on one occasion, not one more person could fit in a house. (laughs) And on another occasion, that people, there were so many people that they were pressing up against him. Well, the tables have changed. I've already given you a clue. Are you noting it? 
the crowd saw and they recognized the apostles, not Jesus, verse 33. And they ran quickly. They ran in a hurry after the apostles. They are running to get to the place where the boat is going to land. They are going to the, get to the desolate place. They are going to get into that wilderness picture where the apostles are supposed to rest. Like Jesus, the apostles' kingdom activity has attracted a crowd from the towns, most likely the towns in which they had visited. But these people are most likely no different than the crowds that pursued Jesus Christ. Within this crowd, saving faith is not the focus here in this particular text for Mark. In fact, Mark presents sudden change in his narrative. The focus changes from the people chasing after the apostles, verse 33, note this, <clears throat> to the person of Jesus, who is the heart and soul of the gospel. Verse 34, verse 34, our eyes, congregation, where's Mark pointing you? Our eyes must be fixed on Jesus. Our ears need to be glued to what Jesus is doing and saying, everything the apostles had done was under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And thus, like John the Baptist, the apostles here in our text, from verse 33 to verse 34, the apostles decrease in the situation before you so that the very presence of the kingdom of God increases as the crowd comes before the royal king of that kingdom. He's the son of God, the son of man, the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus goes ashore and he saw the great crowd. The one whom the apostles proclaimed and ministered now stands before this crowd. And Jesus is going to teach them. The one they proclaim is now in person going to teach them. 
Yes, to repeat, they are now in the presence of the person who embodies the gospel of God, and Jesus is filled, it says in the sense of the text, it is clear, he is filled with emotion. He is filled, the text says, with compassion. The Greek word here means deep affection, pity, empathy. Jesus cares for you. (laughs) Jesus cares for you. He does. And he did for this crowd. Is on those, and that comes upon those who recognized the apostles and ran after them. As a group of people, Jesus sees that they have a serious need, and Jesus' compassion is directed at their need. Now, their need. They may not be what they expected. They need something that the apostles could not supply. They needed the leader of the kingdom of God to be revealed before them. And that king will definitely reveal himself before them. But not as an authoritative dictator or emperor. Remember the event that just preceded this. The beheading of John the Baptist. That's not the Jesus that is being revealed here in terms of an authoritative dictator or emperor. Not at all. Rather the compassion of Jesus upon this crowd of people embodies the historical revelatory imagery of a shepherd over sheep. These people are assembled like sheep without a shepherd, the text says. They need a person who will lead them from the wilderness into the promised land. They need someone who will not only bring the apostles into their final rest, but they need the one who will finish the final leg of the not yet aspect of the final rest for both the apostles and For each of God's people. Yes, the situation before us in our text has been rehearsed before in the history of redemption. Moses spoke freely before the Lord, praying and pleading that the Lord would appoint a shepherd, a leader before the congregation prior to his death in the wilderness so that the people may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. I read that text for you 
on purpose in Numbers 27, 17. And the Lord does so. We saw in that text, he appoints Joshua, who has the Holy Spirit in him and whose name happens to mean Jesus, to lead Israel into the temporal final rest of the promised land, 2718. Well, one who is greater than Joshua is now here. Greater than Joshua is now here. The true shepherd king of the apostles and the congregation, the sheep. Yes, the shepherd that came out of the wilderness at the time of his baptism by the Spirit of God upon him and the emphatic pronouncement of being the actual son of God is ready to take the scattered sheep You're seeing that. He's ready to take the scattered sheep spoken of by the prophet Ezekiel who are lost. They're strayed. They're injured. They're weak. And feed them, says the prophet of Ezekiel with justice. The true justice of God, of equity. Ezekiel 25, verse 5 and 16. A concept of justice, of of equity that you are seeing even now in our own culture, that they have no clue what it is about. Please, congregation, do not fail to see and to know in your heart the incredible compassion that Jesus has as the true and final shepherd of his flock, his sheep. You are entering here in the text into a preview of the heavenly banquet feast on an earthly level in the feeding of the 5,000. You are about to see and live in the fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 23 and 24, which says, And I, referring to the Lord, set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord and I have spoken. By the time Ezekiel lives and prophesied, David 
had died. So the Lord is speaking here of the one who will be a greater shepherd than David and yet will come in the family lineage of David. In fact, the one coming is exactly the one, is exactly the one who David himself spoke of. We sang about this this morning, did we not? The Lord, Jesus Christ, is my shepherd, and I shall not want anyone Anyone besides him to take me, the church, into his eternal rest. Now you are ready in an earthly sense to see the prophecy of Ezekiel fulfilled. Jesus, the shepherd, is going to feed his sheep in the feeding of the 5,000. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss the feeding of 5,000 next week as we worship together. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, the compassion of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can forget that. We thank Thee for His care, the picture of long suffering even upon this crowd that is before him. We rejoice that he taught them, the one to whom the apostles' ministry pointed, for he is the one who is the all-sufficient Redeemer from sin and unrighteousness. We ask, O Lord, that we ourselves would find ourselves not being astray, but receiving the compassion of Christ in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.